From Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Newsmakers. I'm Ezra Wall in our studios in La Crosse. Thank you for listening to our conversation today. We're talking about Forward La Crosse, which is the uh, the next iteration of La Crosse's comprehensive plan. And it's been in, in a public information gathering phase, a public input phase uh, for a while. So we'll get an update on how that's going and what the next steps are as the city of La Crosse uh, plans for the next decade or even more uh, than that. Joining us today are uh, three individuals. Later, we will hear from Angie Mankey, who's the Powell-Pogue-Hamilton Neighborhood Association uh, leader, and and uh, she'll be with us momentarily. Uh, work obligations uh, prohibit her from joining us right away. But joining me right now, Scott Newmeister, a member of the North Lacrosse Business Association, a resident of the North Side. Uh, as we have talked prior to this recording, uh, a proud Logan grad and uh, and a business owner in town as well. Also here is Tim Acklin, a planning administrator for the City of Lacrosse, and I'm very pleased to have them both with us today on Newsmakers. I want to start with you, Tim, uh, talking about Forward Lacrosse. It's an update to Lacrosse's Confluence comprehensive plan. So tell us, sort of in a nutshell, what what is Forward Lacrosse? So Forward Lacrosse is really an update to our city's comprehensive plan. And our comprehensive plan is really the overriding guiding document and vision for a city and how they want to grow over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Comp plans really range from about a 10, 15 year time frame, And it really is includes goals and strategies of how we want to grow in the various different components um, that kind of revolve around a city. So that would be like economic development and housing and neighborhoods and parks and open space. Um, being able to work with uh, intergovernmental cooperation, um, transportation, and all sorts of those uh, elements, historic preservation. And so really it's it's a guiding document that our elected officials are supposed to reference when they're making land use decisions, capital budget decisions, and policy decisions. This document itself is also the vision of our community. So it's not something that we as city staff or elected officials put together on how we think the city should grow. The important part of these plans that we do, especially this one, is going out into the community and hearing from them in these different elements and how they want their city to grow over these next 15, 20, uh, 20 years. And so a large part of this process is engaging the community on a very high level um, and trying to get majority of them involved in this process and provide feedback um, so that we can get a fairly accurate idea of, of what the community wants to do for our city. And so we have spent this program project started uh, late last year or early last year in 2022, I think in spring. We spent a lot of time doing a lot of background data and collecting you know census data and and waiting for the new census to come in and and doing a lot of uh, sort of that, that type of data gathering. And then we put together a very strategic sort of community engagement plan of how we wanted to engage the community. One part of this that we knew was traditionally planning, uh, these types of planning efforts were town hall meetings. And that's what you did. You organized them, you set them up, try to get out of the community and you talk to the public that way. I think just from the past planning efforts that we've done, it's really hard to get a lot of people to attend those meetings People are busy. There's a lot of extracurricular activities. There's families, there's dinner that needs to get on the table. Kids need to help study. There's just a lot going on. So it's really hard for people to be involved that way. 
Um, and so we were trying to understand how can we get more people? So we really developed this way of developing an online social media presence and ability for people to go online and provide feedback. Because a lot of people have, most people have smartphones. Most people are on some form of social media, whether it's Facebook or whatever all those are. And um, this is kind of out of my element too, as I'm not really on all that stuff. But we really, we hired a local media firm to help us develop a social media and online platform so people would get notifications that way and be able to participate on their own time. It could be as they're next to their kid doing homework and they can just fill out a survey. It could be whatever it is they wanted, however they want to do that. And so that's been very successful in getting um, a lot of initial information and feedback back from the community. Now, we still are doing in-person meetings and town hall stuff and going out in the community, but we've been able to really increase the amount of participation that um, we probably normally would have um, by having all these other options and abilities for people to engage. Have you been pleased with the uh, with with the participation level so far? Well, I'm probably a little more. I, I mean, my goal would be to have everybody participate sure. in the city, I think, obviously. But I think the last count we had was 6% of our population. And I think most people would think 6% is not a lot. But if you think about 6% of about 50,000 people are, that's quite a lot, actually. And that's more people participating in this process than we've ever, ever had in any of our other planning processes. And so when you actually think of what number that is, which is probably like, I don't know, 3000 people or something like that, you know, I'm just off the top of my head. That's a lot of people. And um, we're still working on trying to get more people involved. I know you mentioned earlier that we've kind of moved past our initial engagement phase one community engagement session, but people are still able to go to our website and participate in all those uh, surveys we have. We're not taking them down. People can still go and participate. I think what we're really trying to say is, okay, we've, we're just moving to the next step. And people can still do it. We're still going to incorporate what we get from here on out, but we're really just moving on to the next phase. So rather than like traditionally, you would have an input period that ends full stop. And now we move into the further stages of development. You're really kind of, you're saying, uh, okay, we've had this initial input period. We're moving on with the analysis of the input that we have so far. However, your input is still welcome. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. I know that you uh, you and others expressed uh, that it was important to reach out to parts parts of lacrosse where people don't perceive themselves as being sort part of the power center of the city. Reaching out to e you know either uh, whether it's uh, neighborhoods that might uh, occasionally feel left behind or demographic groups that might be, feel like they're not always part of the decision making processes. What have you done to reach out specifically to different groups of of people to make sure that there's a good cross-section of residents participating in the input. I will preface this all by saying I know we can do more than what we have. There's, I, I, that's just my own personal sort of my own personal opinion is I just I always constantly feel like is there more that we can be doing to reaching out to everybody. Um, but we have uh, gone to every neighborhood association meeting. I've actually attended all of them except for a couple only because you know, they weren't holding regular meetings, but I've essentially attended every neighborhood meeting to have discussions with them about the comp plan and getting their feedback. I'm actually going back to all of them for a second round of information through the month of February and my month of March. And then I have attempted to work with some of our um, 
historically underrepresented populations. The diversity council we've reached out to, I, I do feel like I need to do more work working with them to get more people involved. Um, but we have worked with some business communities. I was at the NLBA community or at the NLBA association just the other day, last Wednesday, and was working with them. Um, we have we tried to reach out to all the students in all of our universities. So working with the student services divisions of each of the communities and trying to get information to them through their emails or social media that, hey, come participate. We want to hear from you. We've reached out to the school district um, to try to get the school district administration involved as well as teachers and students. Um, we're really trying hard to reach out to them in whatever capacity that we can. I do, I, like I said, I always feel like we can do more. Um, and I'll probably continue to feel that way all the way to the end of this process that I'll just constantly feel like, what more can we do? We reached out to seniors. I tried to reach out to the senior, you know, the housing authority and things of that nature, which again, I feel like we can just keep constantly trying to figure out how to be more efficient and effective with all those organizations. Um, trying to reach all the community and demographic groups as best we can. Scott Newmeister is here with the North Lacrosse Business Association. He's a business owner on the north side uh, and, and a uh, city council member who will soon be leaving that position. Uh, Scott, I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective as a business owner, um, what what are the the things that are really important for you to to for the city to consider on your behalf of, as they're developing of the next phase of their comprehensive plan? Um, I just want to get back, and I, I'll answer that real quick, but I think uh, we had somebody selling themselves a little short just a few seconds ago, and I think the planning department has done an outstanding job uh, with this, and, and along with the, the Highway 53 corridor plan, they work very hard with the community. Um, they don't work a nine-to-five job like most people. Uh, they're here at night. They're in, they're in meetings early. They're they are nonstop, so we're very thankful for Tim and the rest of the team in the planning department. Um, back to your question, however, I think uh, strong communities, strong communities uh, enhance strong businesses, and I think that's the main thing we need to continue to work on on the north side. We have floodplain issues, you know. Uh, let's continue to work on that. But I think together we're trying to come up with solutions to these uh, issues, and and I think in the long term it's going to do us very well. Angie Mankey is here as well. Uh, she's the Pogue, uh, the Powell Pogue Hamilton Neighborhood Association uh, uh, chairperson or president. Angie, what, what am I? What's what, what am I looking for here? What's chair, chair, chairperson. Okay. Good, good. Um, and and so I'm I'm wondering from from your perspective uh, as as the Powell Pogue Hamilton uh, representative here, um, talk about what you're just broadly, what, what you're looking for, what important elements are you going to uh, look at to say, yes, this is a successful comprehensive plan or this still needs some work. Um, thank you. And thanks for and inviting us as well um, to represent uh, one of the neighborhood associations and to echo what Scott said, our planning department, we've been so blessed to have with the last several years since I got involved in neighborhood uh, activities, probably about eight years ago. Now I've worked with Tim, I've worked with um, several members of the department over the years, and they've always been just strong advocates of the neighborhoods. So 
again, I, I thank him for all the work he's he's doing behind the scenes here. So because like Scott said, strong communities make strong businesses, strong businesses make strong communities. It is definitely a, a relationship. So what we're looking for as a neighborhood association when we do these comprehensive plans is making sure that all the neighborhoods are represented. Each neighbor, we have quite a few neighborhood and strong neighborhood associations um, in the city, but each neighborhood, as we've gotten to know each other as, as leaders, we have different and unique needs. Um, some of our neighborhoods are at much more higher needs than, than others, um, not to discount their needs, but um, needs, say, for like PPH or Powell Hamilton and the Washburn neighborhood, we are focused on revitalization, um, lifting up our neighbors. We have neighbors who are dealing with uh, what we're called a food desert here. So we're dealing with economic and safety and health issues in our community, making sure our um, residents are fed. Are they thriving? Are their kids getting to schools or the appropriate schools? That's a big issue in our neighborhoods right now. We're dealing with some school district things and impact on our neighborhoods. So having the city's involvement in saying, hey, what do you guys need to be successful is so validating versus being told what we need, we're being asked what we need. And that's very empowering because in, in other things going on right now, we're being told what we need and not asked. So, and as a side conversation. So, so being able to have our voice in that um, to, and then hopefully help represent underrepresented voices um, as well um, is, is very important so that they don't continue to feel marginalized and unrepresented. So I know roughly in in my in my head I know I know where Pogue Park is I know where Powell Park is uh, d- describe where your neighborhood is so people can get an idea where Powell Pogue Hamilton uh, neighborhood is what are the what are kind of the boundaries kind of the boundaries certainly um, so we have major boundaries are roads so you have Jackson to the north then you come down Third down to South Avenue wrap around to Green Bay and then skirt up um, West Avenue back to Jackson. Okay, good. Well, we're talking today about uh, about Forward Lacrosse, which is an update to the Confluence Comprehensive Plan for the City of Lacrosse. With me are uh, our Scott Newmeister, who's with the North Lacrosse Business Association, Angie Mankey from the Powell Pogue Hamilton Neighborhood Association, and Tim Acklin from the City of Lacrosse. And of course, you're listening to Newsmakers. You can reach out to us anytime throughout the week. Uh, my email box is always open. Email on the, on the weekend. I'll probably answer you. Just test it. Newsmakers at WPR.org. That's newsmakers at WPR.org. We will continue our conversation in just a moment. It's Newsmakers from Wisconsin Public Radio. On Wisconsin Public Radio, it's Newsmakers. I'm Ezra Wall in our Southwest Wisconsin studios here on the campus of UW-La Crosse. And I don't know which neighborhood association that would be in, but we are joined by Angie Mankey, who's in the Powell Pogue Hamilton Neighborhood Association, Tim Acklin from the City of La Crosse, and and, uh, Scott Newmeister from the North La Crosse Business Association. And we're talking about forward La Crosse. We've just uh, talked about sort of the, the, the public information gathering uh, period. And, and I want to learn a little bit about 
Uh, I know, Tim, you're just starting to uh, analyze some of this data that's coming in. But what do you know about, uh, about uh, are there overarching themes yet, or are there things that really stand out about the data that you've gathered so far? I don't think there's any surprises. I think a lot of a lot of the themes that we had heard so far is kind of some of the issues that we're dealing with or trying to address currently. So we obviously heard, you know, homelessness, um, trying to, you know, um, uh, handle those issues or, 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 you know, whatever way that we can. Um, we talked, we talked about city of La Crosse's inability to grow as a city because we're really landlocked between the city of Alaska and the river and the bluffs and that it's just really you know hard to annex any sort of land outside of our city limits and so how do we address being able to increase our housing stock to have um to provide affordable housing or even other housing options for families that then tend to go look in our surrounding municipalities instead to go live there so how do we deal with aging housing stock how do we provide more senior housing um, so that those homes can open up for new families. Um, as we found out that seniors tend to be living longer or staying longer in their homes only because there's not affordable senior housing for them to move into. So those are issues that we've been talking about. Um, there's really discussion on jobs and workforce and maybe having more manufacturing jobs as well and being able to attract new businesses and things of that nature. We've also heard about um, the floodplain issues because constant issue all the time, especially on the north side and how we're gonna address that. Again, that affects the housing stock and our housing opportunities we have to attract new families um, and things of that nature. Um, and really just sort of just the cost, the cost of building a new home, the cost of maybe fixing up an older home that's in the cross versus somebody being able to buy a brand new one out in Holman or West Salem or something along those lines, you know, how do we compete with that? And, and then how do we, as a city, you know, provide some incentives for families to live here rather than in other communities? Again, then that also gets into the school district, you know, how do we keep our schools? That's been an issue lately as well, is um, responding to the plans that our school district has for their future. And they've cited a lot that our enrollment has gone down. So again, that ties into housing and attracting new families and our ability to do that. I mean, it's all it's all together, right? It's all symbiotic and how all these relate together just much like a city does. So those are some of the issues and themes we've been hearing. Um, we keep hearing from a transportation point of view, how we can have um, connect all of our existing bike trails and fill in the gaps where we have the missing connections for on bike and ped connections um, and how can we make our city more walkable and bikeable versus um, and reducing the dependency on the car? How can we be more sustainable as a city? Um, those are a lot of the things that themes that we've been hearing so far. I'm sure I'm missing some off the top of my head, but those are some of the major ones. And really the next steps then is going back out in the community and, and saying, here's what we've heard so far. Did we get it right? This is what we heard. And then really sort of formulating from there, like, okay, so what are our strategies over the next 10, 15 years or so on trying to address some of these issues? What do we need to do as a city? Who's going to be responsible for it? And really establishing those goals. 
and really have them be measurable goals, right? So it's it's one thing to say, oh, we want to end homelessness. And that doesn't seem a very attainable goal because if that was easy to do, nationwide crisis would probably be solved. So it's like, what can we what can we do over the next 10, 15 years as a city that we can do realistically and implement and, and, and start setting those goals, right? And working with those communities, working with those organizations to do that. That would go for any other things that we do is what realistically can we achieve? What realistically do we want to achieve over the next few years? What are the steps to do that? And who's going to be responsible for that? And so that's really the next steps. And we're really hoping to have a draft of this completed by, I believe, uh, late spring, early summer, and then have it kind of finished up in late summer, early fall. That's the tentative timeline. I want to ask, uh, in particular, Scott and Angie. I, I want I want this conversation to be uh, both celebratory and constructive, uh, sort of you know balancing those two, so we can have a realistic approach to talking about lacrosse and its future. So, starting with Scott, uh, maybe more on the celebratory side, uh, as as a North Lacrosse resident, uh, graduate, uh, business owner, what is going really well? Uh, in in lacrosse that uh, that either the city of lacrosse as a governmental entity needs to continue to support or 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 just the north side as a community needs to continue to support i, I think we've come a long way on our housing um we have a long ways to go don't get me wrong but i think we've really developed a lot of areas uh, all kinds of housing and we have some exciting new ones coming up uh, on the north side obviously we want to continue to build the north side to make it uh, a place where people want to move to. We have opportunities, Bridgeview Plaza, uh, which was bought out. They have a nice design for more housing, uh, more businesses, more food places. We could definitely use a grocery store again in the north side. Uh, it's like another food desert. I think we all struggle with that in areas. Um, but I think lacrosse has, has moved um forward in a lot of areas obviously we have we have our issues um our taxes are high we need to work on that um but i think i think if we come together and continue to work the way we are we'll be able to uh, really curb some of these uh, issues we have um and and move forward you know our our goal especially for the north side obviously is is we have floodplain issues big time and you know I, i'm hopeful that down the line we can work on that and if not maybe tear down some of the houses that are not you can't replace but you can build flat structures without basements and make it a great spot for um young families to come in a first-time home buyer uh, there's a lot of opportunities uh, for first-time home buyers on the north side obviously our 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 the cost of getting into a home on the north side is a bit cheaper um but again i think Again, we need to work on our taxes because that's difficult on some people. But how do you do that? That's the million-dollar question. Uh, we have a we have a lot of nonprofit uh, where where we host a lot of, you know, from Salvation Army and all them, and and that is a great thing. But we we got a lot of people coming into our community that work, and then they they leave our community to go back home on the outlining areas. And we need to work on keeping those here, and and I think that's going to be our biggest opportunity in our current obstacle that we need to overcome. Angie, what about uh, Powell Pogue Hamilton? You're, you're, uh, of all the neighborhood associations in La Crosse, there, there is so much socioeconomic diversity in, in your neighborhood. Um, what, what do you think is going particularly well 
in in your neighborhood or or within the city that that you'd like to lift up at the at the moment? Um, there's been a lot of work that's been put into PPH the last several years that predated me even moving into the neighborhood. Um, changing the perception of what our core neighborhoods are like right now, I think is a big mission and a, has been a big mission of the city planning department, the neighborhood association is to help people change the narrative and have them address their bias uh, against some, some of these neighborhoods. We get characterized as dangerous and and ooh, that's that scary neighborhood. And I have no problem walking my neighborhood any time of day, especially with the beautiful lighting that we have that's been through partnership with the city and um, Joint Development Corporation in the city and, and um, funding for that. Um, so I think there's a lot of great things that have been going on in our neighborhood that's because of partnerships, partnerships with, with the city, partnerships with our institutions within our neighborhood, which Gunderson Health System is a big partner of ours um, and supporter of ours. So that's one of the things I think going right is that we're slowly changing that perception of what our neighborhood is because we want to entice these families that are are working in our city core, but they're living out in, in the other districts and the other cities no offense to our to our neighbors to the north, of course, but uh, we love lacrosse and we want them to love it too. And the more people we can entice back through walkability, bikeability um, into our center cores will help lift up those center cores, hopefully without pushing out the existing neighbors. That's a big thing for PPH. We always want to make sure that people don't have the perception we're trying to uh, remove neighbors and that's not it. We want to lift them up. Um, but as someone moves out of the neighborhood, you know, we do want to make sure that people know that that's an option to come in and bring their tax base with them so that, as Scott pointed out, we can try to help with some offset some of that cost of living in the city. But it's also helping people understand that because of those services that the city provides is why some of those taxes are high. So it is a balance uh, act um, that they have to, you know, you get more services, more access to fire and ambulance, et cetera. Um, but you do pay a little bit more for that, too. But if you can't pay for your groceries, it's kind of hard to understand that too. You know, I've got a, a, a bit of a messaging question. You talked about uh, your neighborhood, and maybe there are others in Lacrosse that need this as well. Uh, the reaching out to people who who may experience uh, a negative reaction when you suggest moving in there or even visiting there at certain times of day or whatever. I've heard it, and we've all heard it. Um, and yet, you can't just run up. You can't run up to people. Two things. First of all, you can't run up to people. It's just not productive to say you only don't want to come here because you're biased. That, that, like that's a non-starter for people. They're not going <laughs> to respond well to that, even if it is the truth. And then a lot of these people's perceptions, like they're they hear or read or see on the news or something of of one negative occurrence or maybe even a couple or a few negative occurrences in a neighborhood and and then they extrapolate that uh, to to mean that okay that's how things always are over there and they make that assumption so how can you correct that miss uh, that that misunderstanding of your of your neighborhood with people who don't live there it's constant discussion i'm always self-promoting the neighborhood. People have heard me talk many times about how we've even changed my own perception of what I thought the neighborhood was. Um, and it's talking to people, engaging with people. Um, I've, I'll be happy to take anybody on a tour of my neighborhood night or day. Um, 
let me know. I'd be happy to show off my neighborhood. Um, because once you start walking through, you'll find there's a ton of people who walk their dogs every day. We have a ton of dogs in the neighborhood. It's great. Um, a lot of walkability, a lot of bikes in the neighborhood. And people who, if you live here, you talk to the most of the people who live here, they love it here and they don't understand the perception. But again, it's some people's, their own bias, the idea of, um, they don't understand um, what all of our neighbors are going through. And again, certain amount of um, unconscious bias that's going on. So I just keep talking about it. <laughs> Scott, it looks like you yeah. wanted to jump in there. Yeah, if I could. Obviously, I'm a Northsider, lifelong Northsider and darn proud. Um, obviously, we've, we've had, we've, we've battled this a lot as Northsiders, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, uh, People say, you know, why do you live on the north side? Well, it's because we love the people. We love the area. We love our neighbors. Uh, we, we take a lot of pride in being north-siders. Um, and, you know, it isn't now north side against south side. It's what's best for lacrosse. However, um, we all need to continue to work on our improvement. And we need to continue to improve our neighborhoods, uh, bring young families to the neighborhood. And we need to do all that together. But I'll tell you, I, I honestly believe that once you live in an area, you feel comfortable about it, and you realize that what you hear is not always the case, uh, you're going to feel much better. And we just need to keep on talking up our city and our neighborhoods in the city. That, and that's, I think, what we're, we're trying to do constantly. Tim, I, I don't want to leave you out of this uh, part of the conversation. I, I know you work for the city. I know you're part of developing the plan. Uh, but as a person who, who lives and works here and, uh, and uh, is proud of the work that you're doing, what do you think is going particularly well in our community? I just think we need to – that's a loaded question there, Ezra. Of course it is. That's why I do this for a living. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think we just need to listen to everybody and incorporate all opinions uh, and all perspectives into the decisions that we make and the programs that we try to initiate and you know the policies we try to create i think it's just important to make sure we hear from everybody and take all the things into consideration and, and continue doing that well but that's that's what i think we should keep doing well as a city is just making sure we listen to our community all perspectives when making our decisions and and moving forward you think i asked a loaded question you gave a loaded answer there because it sounds so simple to listen to each other but lately that's not easy, is it? It's tough, I think. And people have strong opinions on, on you know, the serious topics and all topics, really. And so I think it's just important to just realize that everybody's not agree on everything. They're not just they're just not going to agree on everything. So, but it's important to at least understand where people are coming from, and really try to determine whether, you know, how what their perspective how how their perspective is really going to affect their life or not. Can I just add one thing to that? Yes, of course. I, I think another thing we've done well, and and the uh, former Mayor Cabot had really been a strong advocate, is is our neighborhood associations. I don't think people really realize how much power the North Side, or all neighborhood associations, really have. I mean, they're listened to. Um, they've got a big voice, and and I would hope that more people um, attend these meetings. Um, some are very sparse, and some are are really well you know attended but i think we've come a long way with that and 
Honestly, I, I think that's one of the best things we've done in quite some time is to really build these neighborhood associations and, and have them really have a lot of say in what happens in their, their own neighborhoods. Well, you said something really important there, Scott, and, and that is more broadly applicable than just in the city of La Crosse. It's all the surrounding cities and, and everywhere within our listening area because all the time we hear people who say, I wish this about my government. I wish this about my city. I wish somebody would do something about this. And then you follow that up with, have you contacted your older person? Have you contacted your city council? Have you written to the mayor? Are you part of your neighborhood association? Are, are you part of these groups and communicating with the people who can do things? Or are you just posting on Twitter? And, you know, too often the answer is, we're just posting on Twitter. So that's, uh, you know, becoming involved in the neighborhood association. I see Angie nodding her head in agreement as well. That can be an, an important uh, step in getting involved in, in fixing things that are going on in the community. Yes, we need to. We have very strong neighborhood associations or definitely did before COVID. COVID, I think we're all struggling a little bit to come out of COVID, um, get our membership back up, um, get through the fatigue of, of COVID and trying to come back together. A lot of us did eventually transition to Zoom meetings online and we were able to at least kind of limp, limp along there or to converse along there. Um, but now we're starting to come back together and and that's where we could use a little bit of help of trying to get the word out there again, getting people to sign up for our email list to engage us with, with us on social media so that we can share with them the power that these associations have um, to bring about change. We've had uh, for PPH alone with our lighting project. We've had several streets lit and provided beautiful lighting. I know the North Side's had that as well. Um, we've had various um, building projects in the neighborhood through TIF development and work with partner organizations. We've had our NRO program that has been very successful in engaging with the community. We've renovated two parks in our neighborhood. Um, just the list goes on of things that... Um, kind of astonishing when we think back what we've what we've done as a group as a team the last few years so um, in addition to that as a little plug to our all neighborhood leaders group actually a lot of people don't realize is that the leaders of the individual neighborhoods um, would get together probably uh, every couple months and work together and share ideas and build each other up because we have the philosophy is that we're only as strong as our weakest neighborhood so having that philosophy I think as a city is great. And what Tim's trying to do is to make sure we're representing everybody so we can make us all stronger together. Because um, if we're not addressing the needs of a certain population, we, we're always going to be held back. So um, I guess with that, I just want to implore our people who don't want to engage in neighborhood groups or they just like to be behind the computer screen as to get out from that computer screen, start to engage and and talk with others and realize that just because a particular piece of legislature or program is not helping you right now, it is helping you because we're helping others in the city. And if we help one, we help all. That's Angie Mankey, who's with the Powell Polk Hamilton Neighborhood Association. We're also visiting today with Scott Newmeister from the North Lacrosse Business Association, among other affiliations, and Tim Acklin from the City of Lacrosse. And of course, you're listening to Newsmakers on Wisconsin Public Radio. If you'd like to listen to part of our conversation that you might have missed, or if you want to catch a previous episode of our program, they're all online and you can find them there at WPR.org newsmakers. That's WPR.org newsmakers. 
or just search for WPR Newsmakers in your favorite podcasting platform and find us there and hit that subscribe button. I'm Ezra Wall. Newsmakers continues in just a moment here on Wisconsin Public Radio. Newsmakers on Wisconsin Public Radio. I'm Ezra Wall in our lacrosse studios. Thank you very much for joining us today for our conversation about forward lacrosse. It's uh, the the latest update, or it will eventually become the latest update of lacrosse's comprehensive plan, and it's in the uh, development phases right now. And uh, as the public information phase sort of draws to a close, we'll find out in just a moment uh, some opportunities that uh, that residents will have this month to participate in in some public conversations about the pl- the the plan so far. Uh, I want to ask Tim Acklin from the city of La Crosse uh, what the what the next phases of the of the plan are and and when. In general, what timeline are you looking for for people maybe to 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 see an actual completed, actionable, uh, comprehensive plan? We're kind of moving in the, the phase two, as I mentioned earlier, of community engagement. I have already scheduled meetings with all of the neighborhood associations in person uh, through February and March. And so there will be a lot of conversations with them about uh, neighborhoods and housing and housing types and increasing density and sort of desired land use they'd like to see for their neighborhoods. And really sort of having the conversations of what are the opportunities or tools we can do to increase density in your neighborhoods while still trying to maintain the single family home identity that so many of these neighborhoods hold dearly to. And so both sorts of conversations like that. We do still have a lot of conversations with um, through the parks element of our comprehensive plan and looking to engage a lot of that community um, on how they'd like to see with their, their park system. Um, but I have heard so far though, there's been so much positive responses to just sort of how our parks department works and what they've been doing and and what they've been doing in the last several years for uh, you know adding new facilities into all of our parks. But real, really the biggest thing is online. Forlacrosse.org is our website. That's where I encourage everybody to go. To There's a ton of surveys to still fill out while still taking your input. As I said, we haven't stopped taking input. We're really just sort of moving on from what we've heard so far so that we can get this plan done. Um, but we will still be incorporating any input that we keep receiving. So there's a ton of surveys to take. There's interactive maps. There's a couple games. And at some point soon, we'll be having all of the information on there that we've heard so far for people to comment on. And then we hope, as I said, to have a draft of this plan by late spring, um, early summer, and then hopefully have an adopted plan or a plan going through the council process for adoption in uh, late summer after we have a large comment period on the plan for the public. So yeah, and so like I said, there's a lot of great stuff on the website. There's a really interesting interactive map tool that's people can drag different icons down and move to certain places of the city and leave comments. So like, I, you know, we like to see this redeveloped. We like to see a bike trail here, things of that nature. So we've got a lot of great information from that. And what's really interesting is that anybody that goes there can read all the comments that other people have left and start a discussion thread. So it's been also a platform for a lot of great conversations on things that the city is doing well, things the city can improve on, 
um, things the community would like to see. And it's really interesting. So in terms of those uh, uh, upcoming meetings that you're having with neighborhood associations, I know on the 1st of February, you already met uh, and, and made a presentation to the North Lacrosse Business Association. Uh, but uh, if people are living in these other neighborhoods, when when are those meetings and how can do people have to sign up to attend them? Or is it just uh, uh, if you live in the neighborhood, uh, show up? So we haven't really established other like public meetings um, that's something that we've talked about as a strategy of like how we would set up maybe other opportunities for the public just to attend general meetings. Mostly they've been set up through specific organizations that we've gone to like neighborhood associations, mm -hmm. like business groups and things of that nature. And so, but all of our meeting schedules for what we're doing is all on the website for lacrosse.org. And to see what we're doing, we do have a newsletter that goes out um, as well by our media company that we hire to help us with that. And so, yeah, part of our discussion actually is like, what other opportunities can we do to have public, do we need to have public meetings? As I said earlier, you know, we tend to have general meetings and then like 20 people show up. Mm -hmm. And so, because it's just really hard for people to attend those. Do we have a virtual hybrid meeting? That's tough too, for people to commit to. And then it, it, those are just tough to have as well when you're trying to get feedback from a focus group session. But there, but we do, I will say every, planning commission meeting that we have the monthly the city planning commission meets every month and they're the steering committee for this process and so we do have general comprehensive plan project updates at that meeting and the public can come to those as well and provide any input and and, and speak their piece and give feedback as well as part of that process then too i was wondering when you were talking about things with the you know, plans from the school district. I was wondering how this plan intersects with um, some of those issues that a single comprehensive, like strategic planning document, uh, issues that are bigger than than that can deal with on the long term. I'm, I'm thinking of the the issue with with how how to serve the unhoused population in town, which is a thing that there are whole aspects of of nonprofit organizations and, and the city government working uh, on, and it's so complicated and it's not really something that can be uh, simply part of a 10 or 20 year plan or things like the school board is dealing with uh, decisions about our public schools. We've seen the, you know, the ballot referendum recently, the ballot referendum coming up, school, school board uh, issues that are that are facing people uh, that the city doesn't necessarily have direct purview over. So you've got either issues that are that are so large that a single, you know, planning document can't uh, envelop them, and you've got issues that the city doesn't necessarily have purview over, but which affect the city greatly. How how does a plan like this affect those issues or incorporate concerns about those issues, or is that even a thing that's possible? They do. It's important to remember that comp plans tend to look at the 10,000 foot view of the issue, right? So it's like, here's the issue and here's sort of the general steps on how we can try to address these issues. Those steps though may include more specific studies, more specific plans being done um, and, and more specific steps of working with specific organizations on how to handle said issue and, and, and achieve any sort of goals. For instance, if we're talking about, oh, we need to have you know, we need to really have a complete uh, comprehensive analysis of all of our housing stock in the city, determine age and, and 
and really determine the market and determine what we need and things of that nature that you know usually you would have that done by market analysis and so if we felt like based on the housing issues we have in the city that that's something that's needed then the comp plan would say for us to be able to address these issues we really need to have this type of study done or this type of report completed and so the comp plan really addresses sort of those next sort of defining studies and reports that need to get done and so really what that also does then is say look the community has identified that this is immediate need. And so then as a community or the council or our elected officials then start looking at what expenditures they want to use through capital budget, through operating budget and things of that nature, then they can kind of see through the comp plan that here's sort of the immediate needs that we want to fund um, or we want to provide uh, expenditures to so that we can get those things done and keep moving forward with meeting the goals of the comp plan. So that's that kind of the process that would follow something like this. And when we talk about the school district, you know, we really look at what's the long range planning for planning for schools. Maybe it's also planning for the closure of schools. Maybe it's also looking at how can we attract more families and students for enrollment so that we can have stronger schools. How do we have a stronger school system so that the school district isn't in a place where they're like feeling like we don't have the kids to run all of our schools and we need to close them down. I want to ask uh, Scott and Angie, uh, we, t we talked about, and I know each of you uh, offered some suggestions for ways that, that, uh, that the area can improve as well, uh, but we talked about uh, what's going well uh, from your perspective, Scott, on the north side, Angie, uh, in Powell Polk, Hamilton, uh, and, and surrounding areas. Uh, Scott, starting with you, let's talk about that constructive side of things. As this plan gets closer to completion, uh, what what's something that's really important for you to see in, in terms of a thing that uh, that we need to improve upon as a city? I, I like to have my glass half full, but I, I will bring up a couple of things. I, I think, uh, obviously, school consistency is, is a huge, huge thing for the north side. However, that's really not something we can do anything about at this point. I think we need to make the north side more of a destination. We need we need help bring in uh, more businesses north side. We're the gateway to the city, and virtually a lot of people just believe we're a road to the campus area or downtown or even south. Uh, we're more than that, so we need to work together with the city, uh, bring in industry here. We need to, more business. We'd love to see another grocery store, as, as you know, has been brought up many times. Again, we need to really focus on our floodplain issues. Um, we've come a long way. Uh, we've helped a lot of areas on the south side, but quite frankly, we haven't done much on the north side by helping out other than giving grants, um, helping people fill in basements when, when they can. But we need to revitalize and we need to rebuild. Uh, some of these houses, you know, obviously it limits to, when you're in a floodplain, it limits a great deal of how much work you can do to a home. So we need to we need to focus on that and rebuild the north side to areas um, that we cannot just fix the houses up anymore. And I think we need as a city um, to look at not only that we could use more you know senior housing. We we could uh, focus more on our senior citizens. Um, there's a lot of areas that you know we're good at a lot of things. We have a lot of opportunities in other areas, and we need to continue to work on that. Angie, what about you in, in, in your neighborhood, in the, in the areas of lacrosse that you're active in? What do you, uh, what do you think is, is really necessary for a plan like this to address uh, on the constructive side of things? Um, I think Scott hit on a lot of that is like making it a destination 
place, getting additional resources. Um, grocery store, big thing for us down here. It doesn't need to be a gigantic grocery store. We've been trying to get food. We've been trying to bring in one for years down here, and they think they have to have every single variety. It's like, no, we just need the essentials. Get us a little bodega. Get us a little neighborhood grocery store that used to be on every other block in these little neighborhoods. You used to have your butcher shop, your grocer, you know, fairy, everything was right right in these little neighborhoods. So it's bringing back that feeling of small town within a city, um, that walkability part of it so that people, if once they get here, they can walk to places for those who have cars, but we forget there's a big population in our city that don't rely, they rely on city transportation. They don't have their own vehicles. So to get to the grocery store is a lot more challenging than a lot of people realize. So I think providing those convenience factors for those who do have transportation and don't have transportation. Um, I walk to work every day and that's fantastic. I love it. Walked my kids to elementary school. Um, my daughter can walk to, well, could walk to middle school. Um, that's going to be changing next year because um, she's a Lincoln student. So that goes to the other point of making sure that we're working, getting that city cooperation with the with the school district and vice versa to understand where we've got some neighborhood and city plans that are in our ideas for neighborhood schools versus you know the school district's plan. And we've been kind of butting heads, unfortunately, as of late. So. Um, making sure that we're working on that because strong schools and strong neighborhoods are very, very tightly knit and um, trying to bring that piece back is really important to us right now. And then affordable housing. I think people have heard that over and over again, affordable housing, density housing in the right spots in neighborhoods, not plunked right in the middle of a row of single family homes, but in transportation corridors. We've been talking about Forward Lacrosse, an update to the city's Confluence comprehensive plan here on Newsmakers today. Uh, Angie Mankey is with the Powell Poke Hamilton Neighborhood Association. Uh, you just heard from her. Angie, thank you very much for joining us on Newsmakers. Thank you for having me. Scott Newmeister is with the North Lacrosse Business Association. Uh, he lives on the north side, graduated from high school there, owns a business there, uh, and is currently a member of the city council representing that part of town. Scott, thanks a lot for being on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Certainly. Tim Acklin is planning administrator with the city of lacrosse and uh, is handling a lot of the uh, a lo he and his colleagues are handling a lot of the legwork uh, in terms of developing this new plan tim thanks a lot for sharing with us today thank you for having us Ezra. this is newsmakers from wisconsin public radio as i mentioned before you can always get in touch with us my email address is newsmakers at wpr.org that's newsmakers at wpr.org there are a couple of opportunities to hear our show each week. We're on Friday morning at 10 on the Ideas Network 90.3. Then we're on Friday night at 7 on NPR News and Music 88.9. And of course, we're always online at wpr.org newsmakers. That's wpr.org newsmakers. Kate Spranger helps produce the show. I'm Ezra Wall. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Newsmakers from Wisconsin Public Radio.